Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. You know what? Before I go to the Word of the Lord, how about I share with you my favorite Easter joke? Is that all right? Can we, can we start off with a good laugh? Amen. If you don't think it's funny, laugh anyway, just so this old boy feels pretty good about himself. There's this family that decided to go on a trip to Israel, and the, the husband and the wife insisted on bringing her mom, the mother-in-law, and, you know, the husband and the mother-in-law didn't get along very well, but he said, okay, you can bring her. Well, they went to Israel. They're touring around. They're in Jerusalem. Something terrible happens. The mother-in-law died unexpectedly. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. And so they're trying to make arrangements to get her body home, and it was going to cost tens of thousands of dollars for a flight. And it was just, and so he was meeting with a government official. And they said, well, you don't understand. If you're a tourist, when you come to Jerusalem, if you die while you're here, we will bury you here in Jerusalem for free. But it's going to cost you over $50,000 to get your mother-in-law home. He's like, it doesn't matter what the cost. It doesn't matter to me at all. No matter what it costs, we've got to get her home. And man, the official was moved. He was like, oh. You must really love your mother-in-law. He said, well, I'm sorry to tell you that's not the case at all. I heard they buried a guy named Jesus here 2,000 years ago. Three days later, he rose again, and I am not taking that chance. <laughs> I am not taking that. All the mother-in-laws are giving me a salty look right now. Come on. It's, a, it's just a joke. <laughs> I am not going to take that chance. That's right. Amen. My name is Buddy Thompson. I'm the senior pastor here. If you're a guest, you've never been here, thanks for coming. Thanks for being with us at Life Church on Easter Sunday. You could have been anywhere, but you're here. If you don't have a church home, we would love to have you come back. How many Life Churches will testify this is the best place in town? Amen. All right. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Yep, he got that part right. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? 
So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Hallelujah. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Amen. Notice verse 12 says, They were all amazed and praised God. I want to preach to you today on this subject, Amazing Jesus. Amazing Jesus. Why don't we give God a praise together in this house? Come on, let's make every Sunday Palm Sunday, right? Amen. God, we give you praise and glory. And we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Amen. Craig, a little bit more monitor for me, please. There's a classic song that most of us have heard at some point in our lifetime called Amazing Grace. It's a song that was written by a repentant slave trader by the name of John Newton. It is without a doubt probably the most familiar hymn in the English language. And for over 200 years, it's been a favorite of many, many millions of Christians around the world. Verse 1 says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Truly, it is amazing grace. And when we understand that the purpose of grace was not just to save us from our sins, but to also change our lives here on earth. Because grace points the way and it lends the ultimate helping hand in life. Grace has been called the unmerited favor of God. It's God's free gift to man. It's God's work in man. Salvation is an undeserved, undeserved blessing, an unearned blessing that God bestows on us freely. Here's what Ephesians 2 and 8 says about grace. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't do anything to justify it. The Bible says grace is a gift that God gives to us. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God in your life? Amen. And on this Easter Sunday, we celebrate the fact that Jesus not only died, but thank God he rose again so that his amazing grace will give us eternal life. Amen. We live in a day, and I want to talk to you about how amazing Jesus is. We live in a day where there is so much skepticism around us. You really don't know what to believe anymore, do you? I mean, you can't trust the media, right? The media is biased. You can't believe Fox. You can't believe CNN. You got the left and the right. You don't know what to believe. Entertainment and politics are sending mixed messages to us by mixed up people who half the time don't know what they're talking about, right? You can't even trust what you see because photo and video editing software now is so amazing and so brilliant. Unless you see it with your own eyes, you really don't even know what you can believe. There's so much confusion and chaos, but one thing still holds true, and that is the miraculous still captivates our attention. It does. I was just looking this morning on the news, and I saw a story on one of those biased news networks, amen. But I saw this story about a 17-year-old autistic boy in California 
who three years ago, while his mom was preparing lunch, he walked out of the house and he hadn't been seen since. Three years ago, 17 years old. They just found him sleeping in a parking lot at a gas station in Utah. He was alive. His mom said, every day for three years, we've been praying that he would be found. And I've done something to try to find my son. Three years. Everybody else thought he was dead. Three years later, he's found. And they're calling it the Easter miracle. Man, that just does my heart good. Amen. See, we all love a story of the miraculous. We all love these stories that gather and, and capture our attention. And I want you to know it was no different in the days of Jesus. When Jesus came on the scene, the miracles of Jesus Christ gave a powerful confirmation to his supernatural mission on the earth. He was constantly amazing the crowds of people that he came in contact with. His miracles went far beyond anything that the people had experienced before. And they began to draw crowds of men and women toward the kingdom of God. And if nature testifies to the glory of God, then surely the mighty works of Jesus would compel uh, people to make a decision about him. Jesus did not use his displays of power just to appease the people who were seeking a sign. But there was this magnificent uh, humility that came with his authority and the way he touched people's lives. The Bible, over and over again, though, said that men and women who saw Jesus in action were completely astonished, and they were amazed at his power. There were sources uh, that day. There were, there were uh, sorcerers and charlatans and magicians that day, just like we can find them today. But none of them could replicate or duplicate the things that Jesus was doing. And in our text says, when they saw what he did, they were all amazed and praised God. The people who crowded around Jesus, they always expected to see something. And I'm going to tell you, folks, they were not disappointed. The lame walked. The blind had their eyes open. The deaf had their ears unstopped. Amen. Come on. The dead were raised to life again. People were healed of their diseases. People saw the miraculous happen. Amen. And by the way, let me just throw this in. If you go to church or if you're around people and, and, and that are believers and there's nothing Jesus ever happening, you need to get around some places where some Jesus stuff is happening. Amen. What am I talking about? I'm talking about addicts being set free. I'm talking about marriages being restored. I'm talking about people getting healed of cancer. I'm talking about people having the power of God save their lives. I want to be where the action is. Amen? I want to be where the Jesus stuff is. Because see, when you go to church, it ought to be like Mark chapter 2 and verse 12. They were all amazed and glorified God. How many of you know church ought to be amazing? Walking with Jesus ought to be amazing. Amen? And Jesus had and still has all power and authority. How did he demonstrate his power? Well, he demonstrated in many different ways. One way he had amazing miracles was over nature. Because all nature is subject to the word of God. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and as supreme over all creation. For through him, 
God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds, holds all creation together. I choose to put my faith in the fact that the word of God says it was the word of God that created everything around us. Amen. By the way, it doesn't take any more faith to believe that than it does to believe that all this stuff just appeared and it was there. Amen? I believe the Word of God. Think about it. Who can really comprehend distances in light years? One light year is nearly 6 trillion miles. And scientists have estimated that the Milky Way, one galaxy, is 100,000 light years wide. You do the math, 100,000 times 6 trillion. That's almost as much as our national debt. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But who, who can fully grasp the, the innumerable numbers of stars in the heavens? Modern equipment has allowed us to descend into the great depths of the sea. But there are still so many uh, ocean phenomena that remain a mystery to us even today. Scientists have measured tornado winds to have a velocity of up to 500 miles per hour, but we still have no way of controlling their force. We still have no way of stopping them, amen? Creation is so vast, it is so tremendous. Our human minds just stagger at its dimensions and its complexity. I've been to the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Pictures don't do it justice, does it? It really is grand, Amen. And you look at it and you just know that there's the beauty and the magnitude and the wonder of it all. You just know there was a God, a miracle of creation at its finest. Anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? The power of it just overwhelms you, the force of nature. And you realize God is so amazing. Driving through the Great Smoky Mountains and seeing the fog on a morning, amen. Watching the sun rise in the Atlantic or, or seeing the sun set in the Pacific, amen. It's all so beautiful. It's all so powerful. It's all so majestic. The rising of the sun, the, the, the rise and the fall of the tide, the birth of a baby, one grain of corn being able to produce bushels of corn. See, we take so much of it for granted, but it's majestic. It's miraculous. It's powerful. We take these things for granted, but you know what I want to do? I just want to take a moment and tip my hat to the God who created it all, who conceived it all, amen? The one who flung the stars into space. See, because when you look at it all, it's simply unexplainable, yet it's undeniable. Why? And we realize the, the power of the amazing creator of the universe. John chapter 1 and verse 3 says, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Amen. That's what the book says. Amen. Colossians 1 and 16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is so amazing. Amen. But it wasn't just the creation that we look around and see. There were other ways that Jesus demonstrated his power over nature. You've heard the story of the loaves and the fishes, how Jesus and his disciples took a boat to reach a deserted area. And there was a lot of activity had been taking place that day. And so Jesus told them, he said in Mark 6, 31, he said, because so many people were coming and going, 
that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He said, guys, we've had a busy day. There have been a lot of people coming and going. We need to sneak away real quick, just us. Let's find us a quiet place and let's eat something. Let's get some lunch. Let's get some rest. You know, they hoped that was going to happen, but guess what? People found out where they were going, and the Bible actually says some people got there before they got there. Mark 6, 36, send the people away, though, so that they can go in the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Jesus was like, man, I thought we were going to slip away and get us a quiet lunch, but now we got all these people meeting us here, and they're hungry, too. Why don't y'all just send them away? Tell them to go into the nearby villages and countryside and buy themselves something to eat. But you know what? The Lord had a better plan. He was getting ready to amaze them. Amen. By the way, sometimes your lack of provision is God setting you up to see him do something amazing in your life. Sometimes not having what you need is an opportunity for God to show you that he is your Jehovah Jireh your provider. Amen? So here they are, thousands of hungry people in this deserted place. And when Jesus said, hey guys, give them something to eat. You know what they said? They said, it would take a half year's wages for us to feed these people. So then one of the guys comes up and he says, well, I got somebody here, Andrew, John chapter 6 and verse 9. He says, well, I found some food. Here's this boy. He's got small, five small barley loaves and two small fish. And then I love how he protected himself by throwing in the disclaimer. But how far is this really going to go among that many? I mean, you know, here's a lunch, some fish, a little bit of bread. But you know what? <laughs> we know that's not going to get the job done. But guess what Jesus said? Make the men sit down. I, I just can imagine them like, oh, boy, Andrew. Now, now what's he going to do? Make them sit down. And then the Bible says in, Mark, in Matthew 14, 21, there were about 5,000 men plus the women and children. Amen. And so Jesus takes five small loaves of bread, two fish. The Bible says he begins breaking them. He begins putting them into the hands of his disciples. And all of a sudden they start feeding 10, 20, 100, 1,000. 5,000. That's just the men. And may, let's say there were 5,000 women there. Let's say there were maybe another eight to 10,000 children there. Who knows how many people were actually there that day. And when it was all said and done, the Bible says they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers. And that ain't including all the fish sandwiches that people put in their pockets on the way home. Amen? I mean, I don't know how many fish sandwiches... Because, you know, you got to go back home. You need something to eat on the road, right? Give me a to-go box, please. Twelve baskets full of leftovers. Amazing. Baffling. Astonishing. On another occasion, Jesus amazed them again. It was another teaching moment. And now they were going out, and they were launching out to sea. And the Bible says there arose this great storm. It was in Matthew chapter 8. White caps are breaking over the boat. Sprays flying everywhere. And there were some fishermen in this group. And the Bible says even the fishermen were terrified. They were wondering what's going to happen. And a matter of fact, they actually were trying to look for Jesus. Jesus was taking a nap in the bottom of the boat. Amen? 
And when they found him, they said, Master, don't you care that we're all going to die? Gee, I can just see Jesus. Dude, we are not going to die. Thanks for waking me up. Get out of the way. And Jesus walks up on the boat. This this is what he says. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He got up. I love it says he rebuked the wind because he was probably still a little salty from being woke up from his nap, right? He didn't just speak to the wind. He rebuked the wind. He got up. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Now, this is not in the Bible, but he probably said to the disciples too, quiet, be still. But notice what it says. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now, in fairness, let me be fair, the dudes on the boat had never seen Jesus do something like this before. I mean, okay, it's, I mean, it's pretty amazing for you to heal the sick. I've seen you touch blind eyes. That's awesome. But, man, this is the wind. This is the water. This, we're getting ready. This boat's going to sink. And as a matter of fact, Mark 6.51, look what it says. He climbed into the boat. The wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. Totally amazed. Speechless. He did amazing things. Amazing Jesus. Did amazing things over and over again. At Capernaum, there was a woman with a 12-year bleeding disease. The Bible says that she touched his garment and she was healed. At Jericho, there was a blind beggar who was crying out for mercy. And again, the Son of God stood still doing his earthly ministry. Jesus always had time to heal the sick. And he still has time, by the way, to do that today. In another incident, there was a man by the name of Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he saw firsthand the power of Jesus. His daughter was dying, and he approached Jesus with his request. Mark chapter 5 and verse 23, here's what he said. He pleaded earnestly with him as a dad and now as a granddad. I can understand that quote right there. Your daughter is dying. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. The dying daughter, the ruler's only daughter, she was about 12 years old. And because this situation was so critical, her father begged Jesus, please come to my house at once and heal her. Because something amazing was getting ready to happen again. But guess what? On his way there, Jesus got held up. He got delayed. He actually got delayed by the woman I just told you about, the one with the 12-year issue of blood. He healed her. And then while he was still encouraging her, all of a sudden, here come the bad news bearers from Jairus' house. Here they come. Guess what, Jairus? The little girl has died. Your daughter is dead. And as a matter of fact, Somebody needed to do some sensitivity training because you know what was the next thing they said? Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Man, there's some cold heart. Great death. Hey, she's already dead. Leave Jesus alone. Too late. Your ship has sailed. Your time for a miracle is over. You missed your opportunity. 
Folks, let me just stop right here and say, you know what? It's in moments like that when our faith is challenged the most. Come on, you prayed a prayer, and you didn't feel like you got the answer you wanted. Amen? Your friend got the raise, you got the pink slip. You prayed for healing, and you got more sick. You asked for a yes, and God gave you a no. You asked for right now, and God said later on. It's in those moments where our faith is most put to the test. But even after they had declared the little girl had died, Jesus continued on his way toward him. You know why? Because he knew, I'm getting ready to blow these people's minds again. Hallelujah. So he took three of his disciples with him. He walked in the house. And in the midst of all this weeping and wailing and chaos, Jesus makes a startling pronouncement in Mark chapter 5, verse 39. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? Have you noticed in many of Jesus' miracles, he had to hush the crowd, hush the wind, hush the waves before he could do. But he said, why all this commotion? Why all this weeping? And then he drops a bomb on her. The child's not dead. She's just sleeping. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. Now you read the story. They begin to mock him. But they were soon going to be amazed because Jesus sent all the doubters outside. And by the way, sometimes you need to get rid of all the negative people in your life. Come on, somebody. You don't have to put up with that stuff. Amen. Get rid of the toxic people in your life. They're holding you back. Come on, they're holding you down. Don't listen to their negativity. Don't listen to people who speak fear and not faith. Come on, I want to help somebody right now. You can have a miracle just by getting rid of all the naysayers and the doubters in your life. So Jesus got rid of the critical crowd. And then he said in verse 41, little girl, get <laughs> Little girl, get up. Jesus, why didn't you heal her before? Because I wanted to blow their minds. I wanted to amaze them. And sure enough, to their great joy, they saw the little girl get up and walk. Death had met its match. And once again, the people were amazed. It happened all throughout the scripture, Matthew 12, 23. All the people were amazed and said, perhaps this man is the son of David. Mark 1, 27. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? Mark chapter 2 and verse 12. Immediately he arose and took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Luke 4, 36. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Luke 9, 43. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But you see, Jesus didn't come just to dazzle us with his physical miracles. He didn't come just to show us how he could stop the wind and the waves. He didn't even come just to show us how he could unstop the deaf ears and open the blinded eyes. There was the one occasion where Jesus was teaching in Capernaum and he he had a great reputation. It was the the story that we read at the beginning of the sermon. And all these people had packed into the house to hear Jesus teach. The place was so full, there was standing room only, not even at the door. You could not get in. 
So this guy had four friends, and they decided they were going to do something radical. Sometimes you just got to get radical, amen? The Bible says the atmosphere was charged with expectancy, and then all of a sudden something strange starts happening. Jesus is standing there teaching, and straw starts falling on his head. Jesus is standing there teaching, and all of a sudden the sticks start coming down. Jesus is standing there teaching, and all of a sudden they start hearing ceiling cracking. And now people are starting to go, what's going on? Now everybody's looking up. And sure enough, they see them tear a hole in the roof. Now this wasn't a hole like this. This was a hole big enough for them to lower their crippled friend down in front of Jesus. You know what they were like? You know what? If you won't let us in the door... We're going to make our own door in the ceiling. Amen. You won't let us in the side. You are not going to stop us from getting to Jesus. Thank God for the faith of those four friends. Amen. It was all very unorthodox, yet it was so amazing. And you know, so many times we want Jesus to do something, but we want him to do it in our box. We want him to do it in the way we were always raised. We want him to do it the way we were taught in our denomination. Amen. We want him to do it the way he did it for mom or dad or for grandma. Sometimes Jesus just comes along and he says, nope, I'm going to do something totally new in your life. And that's exactly what they did. Mark chapter 2 and verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? Four dudes up on the top holding ropes. Amen. Looking down. Can you imagine you just look up in the ceiling and you see four faces looking down at you? What is he going to do? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus looked beyond the obvious physical problem. And he saw a life that needed more than just limbs to walk on. He saw a life in need of inward cleansing. And I've got to ask this question today. What good is a healed body if our spirit and our soul is dark with sin? Amen? It was an amazing display of power and grace. The people wondered at what happened, and the paralytic rejoiced at what he experienced. This marvelous change had occurred in his life. And as a result, he received a double miracle. Amen. Not only did Jesus heal the man's body, but he saved his soul. And I want to tell you here today, the most amazing miracle of Jesus is not raising the dead. It's not giving sight back to the blind. The most amazing miracle of Jesus is when he reaches down and touches a lost soul and gives us eternal life. Come on, somebody give him a praise for that right now. Hallelujah. Jesus has healed me of many sicknesses over my lifetime. But the greatest thing he ever did for me was when I was a 15-year-old boy. And he heard me repent of my sins. And he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And he turned my life around. That was the greatest miracle. And see, that's really what Easter is all about. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the reason Jesus came into this world. And he died on a cross. It was to save us from our sins. The Apostle Paul reminded us of what the Easter message was in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said this, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. 
You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. Notice verse 2. It is this good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Paul said there's only one message that's going to save you. It's the good news that will save you. And then verse 3, he told him what it was. I pass on to you what was most important and what has always been passed on to me. Here it is. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture says. Amen. And I am not the Apostle Paul, but I want to remind you here today, there is one message that will save you, and here it is. Christ died for your sins. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Amen. And now he walks in newness of life. He was buried, and they and he got raised up. Paul said, this is the good news that saves you. I want the praise team to come at this time. Jesus did amazing things. And for every single one of us, there might seem to be a time when Jesus is passing by. For some of us, it might be necessary to step out from the crowd. Or as in the case of the diseased woman, to press through the crowd. Or in the case of the guy whose friends let him down, sometimes you just got to get unorthodox to see Jesus work in your life. In the case of Jairus, you've got to rise above tremendous disappointments and thinking that your opportunity has passed by when Jesus is still actually at work in your life. Jesus is here to amaze you and I on this Easter Sunday. And I just have to ask you, are you still amazed at Jesus? Amen. Amen. Let me bring your attention to the video screen.
Thank him. Come on, thank him for the cross. Thank him for his love. God, I'm still amazed. I'm still amazed that you turned my life around when I was a teenage boy. I'm still amazed when you healed my wife of cancer. God, I'm still amazed at all the people I see in this room. It's a room full of miracles. Addicts that have been set free. Marriages that have been restored. Wombs of women that could not have no children and we prayed over them and you healed them and now they're mothers and fathers and families. I'm still amazed still amazed every time you hear a sinner's prayer. I'm still amazed that no matter how many times I fall and mess up, you still love me unconditionally. I'm still amazed that your grace is new every morning 
that your mercy endures forever. I'm still amazed that you love us and that you shed your blood and that you died a death no one deserved, certainly not you. I'm amazed. Could you stand with me all over this house if you're able, please? Oh, I feel such a sweet presence of Jesus in this place. You see, there's a lot of needs in our world today. We see what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, and I wish we could just wave our hands and make that go away. We've seen genocide in Africa. We've seen hunger all over the world. We've seen sickness. We've, we're still seeing the effects of COVID in different parts of the world. And as strong as those needs are, as great as all of these needs are, you know, our greatest need is not world peace. Our greatest need is not more food or even more water. The greatest need of mankind is still spiritual. Amen. And today, I, I want to thank you for being here on Easter Sunday. But today, I also believe that you're here because God wants to orchestrate a miracle in your life. You. You. You who are watching online, whether it's today or another time, God still wants to work a miracle in your life. I don't care if they said that your daughter's dead. Jesus says she's just sleeping. And he can work a miracle. I don't care if the naysayers tell you, you know, no, don't ask him anymore. No, no, no. Jesus can still work a miracle. There might be someone in this room or maybe watching online. Maybe you're not even a believer yet. Your miracle begins right here today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Confess Jesus as your Lord. Invite him into your heart. Ask him to help you begin a walk with him. If you've never been water baptized, you can be baptized. If you're already a believer and you've never been filled with the Spirit, he can fill you with his Spirit. Maybe you've already done all of that and you just feel away from God. He's as close as the mention of his name. Jesus, you still amaze me because your grace is new every morning and your love is greater than any love we've ever experienced in our lives so we're going to begin to sing they haven't practiced this yet I just asked them to do it for today for this service amazing grace and as we sing I'm going to open up this altar we do altar calls at this church a lot of churches don't do it anymore but we give you an opportunity to respond to step out from where you are, to come and pray, to come and rejoice, to come and ask God to work a miracle on your behalf. There's no pressure. You don't have to, but I want to invite you to come. Some of you maybe to take that first step of beginning a brand new walk with Jesus. Or maybe for others of you, it's an opportunity to come and say, God, I want you to know I'm still thankful. And I'm still amazed at what you've done for me in my life. So why don't we worship the Lord together? Feel free to come to this altar as we sing together. Amazing grace. Amen. Amen.
over your heart. God, I thank you today. I thank you on this Easter Sunday for your grace in my life. I thank you for your resurrection power. I thank you for eternal life. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. You still amaze me. You amaze me, Lord. You amaze me in all that you've done. Amen. He's amazing, Jesus. Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. God is good. Amen. Why don't we clap our hands one last time? Woo! Hallelujah. Man, I'm so thankful today. Come on, are you thankful in this house? Hallelujah. God's not dead. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for coming to Life Church today. If you're a guest, man, we'd love for you to come back and be with us. But if you don't make it back, thanks for being here today. Have an amazing Easter. Remember, Maranatha, he is risen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.